Well, good evening. We have a little bit smaller crowd tonight, so I thought I would join you down here if you're okay with that. Jerry says, no, I got a couple other no's, so maybe I better go up, go up top there. So uh, I thought it might be a little cozier just for us since we have a smaller crowd tonight. So good evening and welcome. When I think of a team, T-E-A-M, when I think of a team, there's a variety of things that go through my mind. In fact, you may think the same thing I do. You may have even spent time this afternoon as I did in between my, my scriptural nap where I watched football. We understand sporting events in America are something that is popular. It's something that we consume a lot of our time with. We understand there's a variety of individuals with specific talents who work together to achieve a common goal. When I also think of a team, I think of the, the men and women who wear the uniform, who go out there relentlessly every day and they protect us. They make sure that they maintain that thin blue line, that the right and wrong don't ever intermingle and they protect us, they keep us safe. And they make sacrifices for us and for very much I appreciate that. You may think of an international level like I do where we have our military, a strong military who makes sure that the bad guys, so to speak, they make sure that they don't come over here and harm us. They do a relentless work, both men and women. And unfortunately, we know that there are many who are not ever going to come home. But they work as a team. They work as a unified front to make sure, again, that we stay safe. You may be a movie buff as I am, and when I think of a team, I think of specific characters who have these, these supernatural abilities to be able to do a variety of things. And it seems like they're always out there saving the world from one bad guy or, or another bad guy. But you may think of a variety of students who get together to work on an assignment, who go to college together to think about things and try to, to fix the world's problems. They work again as a unified front, as a team. In America, I think we understand what being on a team is. Teamwork is something where you have a variety of individuals who have special skills and special abilities special talents. They have that, that drive or that motivation to come together for the common good to achieve that specific goal. Because there's a task out there that needs to be done, and they work together to get that done. I think we understand this. And when we think about this, I want you to translate that as we continue our study in Luke chapter 5. So if you take your Bibles and turn with me to Luke chapter 5, as you know, Cliff and I have been walking through this study on Sunday nights. We've been picking nuts and bolts of truth out of this study. When we come to Luke chapter 5, Jesus here is using this same philosophy. Jesus is choosing His team. We understand that Jesus' ministry has just started in Luke chapter 4. Jesus has come to this earth, and we spent time talking about that. Cliff did a great job this morning talking about Him coming how he was born, how he began his ministry, and how we need to think more globally about how important Jesus is in our lives. So we're kind of at page one or page two of the Jesus book, if you will. Jesus is beginning his ministry, and he needs a team. He needs certain people with certain attributes and certain qualities to fulfill that mission, to fulfill that destiny, to be on his team. I want you to do one or two things for me tonight as we jump through our study and as we continue thinking about Jesus and Him choosing His theme. First of all, as we jump into this and we start reading this, and we will in just a minute, I want you to see and I want you to notice specifically 
the responses to the individuals that Jesus chooses for his team. I want you to see their reactions. I want you to see their drive, their motivation, their eagerness, if they even have that. I want you to see their responsiveness. Secondly, I want you to put yourself in that situation. I want you to insert your name, your experiences, your lifestyle, your workplaces. We're about to see where Jesus is going to go. I want you to insert your name there. How would you react as Jesus reaches out and says, Jeff, I want you on my team? Would the excuses start flowing? Would I have to check my calendar on my iPhone to see if I'm even available to serve Jesus that day? I want you to see their reactions. I want you to insert your name and your circumstances as we go through this. Luke chapter 5, beginning in verse 1, we see here Jesus chooses his team. He chooses three individuals in verses 1 through verses 11. We have Peter, James, and John. Read with me in verse 5, uh, verse 1, chapter 5. Now it happened that while the crowd was pressing around him and listening to the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret. And he saw two boats lying at the edge of the lake, but the fishermen had gotten out of them and were washing their nets. And he got into one of the boats, which was Simon's, and asked him to put out a little way from the land. And he sat down and began teaching the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, put out into the water, the deep water, and let down your nets for a catch. So you'll notice my caption up there. Jesus actually goes to this work location of Simon, who we know as Peter. He contacts him there. Peter has just fished all night. He's tired. Inevitably, he probably wants to go home. He wants to go to sleep. He wants to do something other than what Jesus is going to be telling him to do in verse 4, to put out into the deep water and let your nets down so you can get your catch. You can see already the physical excuses perhaps that I would have or perhaps that you would have thinking, I already did this. I was up all night. There's no fishing out there. I'm not going to catch anything. But you notice the response and you notice how he reacts to this in verse 5. Simon answered and said, Master, we worked hard all night and caught nothing. But... I will do as you say, and I will let down the nets. When they had done this, they enclosed a great quantity of fish, and their nets began to break. So they signaled to their partners in the other boat for them to come and to help them. And they came, and they filled both of the boats so that they began to break. I like to fish. I'm not a very good fisherman, but I like to fish. In fact, my policy is if it has gills, it's been a successful day. I don't even want a big fish. If it just has gills, I'm happy. When you look at the fishing here, they're catching more than they can deal with. They have to go out and get their partners. James and John to say, come on over here, help me out. I've got enough for me, and I've got enough for you. And again, this was just after they went and did this all night. Obviously miraculous with Jesus intervening here. But verse 8, But when Simon Peter saw that he fell down at Jesus' feet, saying, Go away from me, Lord, for I am a sinful man. Peter knew there was something special here about Jesus. He also realized that simply by following Jesus and in listening to what he had to say and obeying what he had told him to do, there was a specialness here. You can see how that light bulb goes on, if you will. Peter understands that. And it's so fun to see Peter in his zealousness and his impulsivity on how he reacts here with all of his ministry 
specifically. And in verse 9, for amazement had seized him and all his companions because of the catch of the fish which they had taken. And so also were James and John, the sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon Peter. And Jesus said to Simon, do not fear, for now on you will be catching men. How strange that must have been for Jesus to show up at your workplace. You've worked all night. He says, go back to work. You're going to have different results as of right now. Not only just you, you're going to have more work to do. You're going to have to get somebody else to come over here and assist you with that. But do not fear. From now on, you will be catching men. In verse 11, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him, referring to Jesus. When they brought their boats to land, they left everything and they followed him. Now, if I insert Jeff Mason into there for Peter or even James and John, and Jesus is telling me to do these variety of things, being tired, probably being grumpy, thinking about other things, being frustrated. Because remember back then, this is how they made their living. You don't catch anything, you don't have an income. They probably use that for their food as well. So they don't catch anything. It's going to obviously put a damper on their demeanor, on their bank account the way that they felt. But Jesus tells them, go out and do it again. You're going to have different results. But we see in verse 11, in everything, they were faithful to Him. In everything, they followed Him. You can just see them throwing down their nets. Say, okay, Jesus, you picked me to be on your team. I'm ready. Let's go. Can you see yourself doing that? As we continue in verses 27 and following, we can see Jesus continues selecting His team. This time it's a little bit different. Verse 27 and verse 28. After that, and he's referring to a couple of miracles that Jesus did beginning in verse 12 and running through verses 26. After that, he went out and noticed a tax collector named Levi, or Matthew, sitting in the tax booth. And he said to him, follow me. And he left everything behind and got up and began to follow him again. Jesus shows up at the work site, at the workplace. And he says, follow me, leave everything here you're now on my team. We can see that Levi, or Matthew here, responds by throwing somewhat of a a big reception. He's celebrating this huge accomplishment. He's celebrating this willingness. He's celebrating being chosen to be on Jesus' team. I don't know about you, but I have some unsettling memories of being younger. Of coming to be in PE class and being that kid that's not real athletic being that kid that's not real social, being that kid that's a little bit overweight, so when it came time to pick the teams to be on the football team or the baseball team or the kickball team, do you remember lining up and it would be, yeah, I'll take him, I'll take her, I'll take him, and it came down to me being the last one every time? Seeing some nods, maybe you were in that situation as well. Jesus is personally picking people to be on his team to accomplish the greatest, most significant endeavor that's ever happened in human history. Jesus personally is doing this. What a privilege. What a responsibility. What a compliment He is giving these individuals. And from what we can tell, and as we kind of know the end story here, there's somewhat of a, a spoiler alert. We understand that more than likely, these men died as a result of their ministry and their beliefs in Jesus. They gave their very lives. They thoroughly understood this privilege. And they took it wholeheartedly 
to serve Jesus. I want you to notice some things. And this is going to be the focus of what our lesson is tonight. And again, I want you to take this, insert your name, insert your circumstances. Jesus showing up to your work and pointing at you and saying, I want you to be on my team. How would you react? I want you to notice, first of all, the receptiveness these individuals had. There was no, I don't know you, please get off my work site, call security, escort Jesus out. There was no making excuses. There was no more, I can't do it, let me check my calendar, let me call my secretary, let me see what I'm doing, I don't know if I can. There was an openness, a receptiveness, and I think, in my humble opinion, sometimes even us in the church, we wall Jesus off. We shut Him down. We say, not today, Jesus. I haven't got time. I've got A, B, C, and D to do. It's on my list, and you're not on my list. Sorry, check back tomorrow. I think we do that sometimes. I think we lack a willingness sometimes. Notice their willingness here in verses 11 and in verses 21. And if you have a highlighter or a pen, I'd encourage you to underline the everything there. Verse 11, when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Verse 21, the scribes and Pharisees began reasoning, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins, but God alone? We'll come back to that. Verse 28, Matthew left everything behind and got up and began to follow him. Everything. That doesn't mean 10%, 20% when it's convenient, when I have the ability, when nothing else is interfering, when nothing else is important. Can you imagine abandoning everything? Your jobs, everything that you knew. I don't know if they had families. Can you imagine giving all of that up, saying, Jesus, I'm on your team. Whatever you want me to do, I'm willing to do. That's a hard saying sometimes for us. I mean, sometimes we have difficulties simply studying the Bible every day, going to God in prayer like we should, making it to worship services, being the kind of Christian that we need to be, and the list goes on and on and on and on. They gave up everything. Notice the privilege to serve that they had. This demeanor is obvious because verses 11 and verses 28 show that they gave up everything. They understood the privilege. When Jesus pointed at them and said, I want you on my steam, they understood that privilege. And they jumped at the chance. But do we? They didn't give excuses. They didn't say, I don't think I'm available. I have something going on later. Let me call my wife. They didn't do any of those things. They understood the whole privilege and the responsibility, the receptiveness that they needed to have. No excuses were given. Notice also there was no reasoning in verse 21. We didn't have a chance to read it, but if you have a chance, I'd encourage you to go through and read verses 12 through verses 26. Now, Jesus, as part of His ministry and in selecting members of His team, He goes through and He does a couple of miracles. He heals people who have severe medical issues. And in verse 21, again, when the scribes and the Pharisees, they see this, they begin to reason, saying, who is this man who speaks blasphemies, who can forgive sins, but God alone? That reasoning there is kind of a, it's an overthinking. It's a, it's a reading too much in depth. It's like a, a, criti- a criticalness, if you will. Because instead of them saying, who is this person who can do it, realizing that it's God, they have to think of some other reason that this may have happened. So I throw that out there because we can see that Peter, 
we can see that the other apostles, we can see that the disciples didn't use this reasoning. They weren't making excuses for their faith or their lack of it. They weren't being too highly critical of these things. The unfortunate thing here is a lot of times we do that. You know, if you think about something long enough, you'll talk yourself out of it. If you think about and analyze a situation long enough, you'll convince yourself it's probably not a good idea to do. We didn't see them doing this. But again, sometimes we do this ourselves. Last but not least, I want you to notice the professions these individuals have. Noble professions. Educated professions, undoubtedly. Blue-collar professions. I'm sure that they worked hard. But understand a little bit of the difference between today and back then. Matthew being a tax collector. Now, I don't know what your feelings are about the Internal Revenue Service. We probably have some mixed feelings about that. But understand, tax collectors nowadays, they, they get a paycheck, there's benefits associated with it. There's, there's an honest day's work, obviously, associated with that. And they do a job, a thankless job, undoubtedly. Tax collectors back then collected a tax, and it was a lot of times based upon how much they could extort from the individual. That's how they were paid. So a lot of times it was set up to be dishonest. And it was set up to be somebody who you didn't want to interact with, perhaps more so than you are today. The fishermen that we see with Peter and James and John, again, hardworking individuals. But notice that Jesus perhaps didn't pick people that we would want to pick on our team. If I was going to be doing the, the greatest thing and getting the message out about the greatest event that's ever happened... Maybe we would start taking resumes and conducting interviews and making sure we had certain degrees attached to it. Making sure that they were articulate and they wore ties and they looked nice and they were more a people person. Because that's kind of how we do things in our work environment back then. But Jesus knew their hearts. He knew their abilities. He knew what they could and couldn't do and what their limitations were. So He picks people who perhaps we wouldn't have picked. So notice receptive, willing, the privilege they had to serve. They didn't give excuses. They didn't reason and try to talk themselves out of it. And they picked people, perhaps Jesus picked people that we would not have picked. I love this song. In fact, we sang this song just a couple of weeks ago. Song number 206, it's none of self and all of thee. And I think that portrays as an illustration better than I could on what Jesus is doing here and what our motivation and what our attitude and what our love for Jesus should be. It says, Oh, the bitter pain and sorrow that a time could ever be. All of self and none of thee. All of self and none of thee. All of self and none of thee. When I proudly said to Jesus, All of self and none of thee. And start how that's, that starts out as in, It's all about me. Because we have that me generation. It's all about me. And Jesus, if I can get to you, great. If I can't, it's about me. But then it continues, yet he found me, I beheld him, but he on the accursed tree. And my wistful heart said faintly, some of self and some of thee. Some of self and some of thee. So starting to get it, starting to understand, starting to understand the importance of Jesus. He needs to be in my life, but I'm still hesitant about where I can put Jesus. Because I've got a lot to do. I'm a busy guy. I don't know if I have enough time for this Jesus character or not. Day by day, His tender mercy, healing, helping, full and free, brought me lower while I whispered, less of self and more of Thee. Less of self and more of Thee. Less of self and more of Thee. 
I think maybe this is the category that as Christians sometimes we fall into, perhaps certainly more than we should. Where we understand the importance of Jesus, we understand the importance of being on His team, we understand that privilege, but sometimes there's still that drive or that, that tractor beam, that Star Trek tractor beam that kind of sucks us back into the world because we're not grounded the way that we should be. Those priorities of ours are still to a certain degree out of whack just a little bit. Just a little bit. Higher than the deepest heaven, deeper than the deepest sea, Lord, thy love at last has conquered none of self and all of thee. Notice I highlighted that at the very bottom. None of self and all of thee. When Jesus picks us for his team, and he has, and we're going to make application of this just momentarily. When he picks us for his team, this is what the anticipation, this is what the expectation this is what the motivation, this is the, the requirement to use today's lingo that Jesus expects of us. It's not about us. It's about Jesus. It's all about Jesus. Do we really believe what this song says? I mean, we sing it a lot, and I'm glad that we do. I think it has such a powerful message to it, but we understand when we sing in truth and we sing in spirit, we understand these are things that should be motivating us, things that we are agreeing with. We're singing it because we, we truly and boldly want to exude this information and this demeanor that Christians should have. So do we really believe? Are we really receptive? Are we really willing to be on Jesus' team? Do we really mean it? Do we understand the privilege that we have to serve Him and only Him? Because we need to understand if we don't that serving self is not going to get us anywhere. Serving self is not going to get us anywhere. And so many, there's so many shiny things of this world that can be so attractive and can be so convenient and so tempting for us. But do we truly believe this song? Do we give excuses? Do we reason and try to talk ourselves out of those things? Do we truly utilize our talents? And like Cliff said, and we've been trying to say the last few weeks, we need to utilize the talents that we have. What can we do? Where can we serve? Where can we get plugged in? Are we making Jesus a priority in all that we do? Well, I'd throw this out there just as we close tonight. 2017 is almost done. And I'd encourage you as I have to reflect upon how well you did being on Jesus' team in 2017. Can you make improvements? Can you do something different? Can you be a better player on His team? Perhaps you're not on His team and you're here tonight. I know it's somewhat of a, an earthly holiday. I know it's somewhat of a, a different type of service perhaps tonight. But you still have the ability you still have the opportunity to be on his team tonight. You may have noticed I had some ocean pictures on there, and I just didn't want to show you my vacation pictures. There was a theme behind it. There was some thought behind it. For me personally, going to the ocean, specifically Morro Bay and Cayucas, where we like to vacation, for me, that's kind of a, a little bit of heaven. It's peaceful. I like it. It's tranquil. I can really kind of feel like I, I connect with God to a certain extent because I can see His creation better there 
than I think I can see it anywhere else I go. So I threw this up there tonight because for me, being on Jesus' team, I've got to remind myself every day, perhaps just like you do, the privilege, the expectations that Jesus has, that I can't give excuses, that I can't reason, that I've got to make Jesus a priority. Because that little bit of heaven I can see from Morro Bay, that's what's awaiting me someday. And that's what's awaiting you someday. Are you on Jesus' team? You can be tonight if you're ready. Be on Jesus' team. Be the best player. Be that, be that MVP. Be that MVP on His team. We're going to sing the invitation song here in a minute. If you're here tonight and you're not on Jesus' team, you can do that. If you believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God with all your heart, if you've changed your life and you're determined you're going to live with Him and be on His team no matter what happens, even through the losing seasons, going back to our sports analogies, there's going to be tough times ahead, I promise you that. It's not only going to be rainbows and unicorns. It's going to be some challenges. There's going to be some tough times. There's going to be temptations out there. But you can be on Jesus' team. You confess His good name tonight. You can be baptized. You can be immersed. And at that point, you will be a Christian. You'll be on Jesus' team. You've got to play as hard as you can and be faithful to Him as long as you can, as long as you live on this earth. That's the goal. Be on Jesus' team tonight if you're not. Please consider these things while together we stand and we sing. Caring not, my Lord was crucified. Help.